struggle to live in rebellion against God. And when we make mistakes, there is God's cleansing, but there is always what? Reintegration into the people of God. And it was funny, I was reading this, and I'm thinking about the holiness of God and who God is. It's so important for us because Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to tell you that because you've made mistakes, you are not acceptable in the people of God. And that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. God was specific when he outlined in Leviticus what could and could not be eaten. So specific that he even took into account carcasses and the germination of plants. For us today, we wouldn't dream of eating something that had touched a dead carcass. God told the people to separate themselves from it. Pastor Daniel will teach us how our relationships with God today should still have that element of consecration, a setting apart of his children. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled, To Eat or Not to Eat. Jesus is you may eat of every flying insect that creeps on all fours, those who have joined legs above their feet with which to leap on the earth. These you may eat, the locust after its kind, the destroying locust after its kind, the cricket after its kind, the grasshopper after its kind, but all other flying insects which have four feet shall be an abomination to you. Okay, now, this is weird, but this is not our culture, so we're just going to go, we're going to roll with it. So, flying insects that walk on all fours, such as pests, like cockroaches, flies, and mosquitoes, they're no-nos, and I know that you guys aren't going for those anyway, so we're not really worried about that, but it's interesting that in the Far East, in those days, locusts, grasshoppers, they were eaten for food. You can read for not only, I mean, we read John the Baptist. He was a weird cat. He had a weird fashion sense. Leather belt, he ate locusts and honey. He was down with that stuff. We all read that. We're like, dude, that's really freaky. But if you read biblical lit- literature and extra biblical literature, you find that grasshoppers and locusts are, they're like treats in that day. They're like Fritos. Now, I'm not saying you got to eat them, but I'm just telling you what the Bible says. So if, listen, if you're ever out in the Near East and you get like some chocolate-covered grasshoppers, I say, you know, say, in Jesus' name, I hope I don't die, and you eat that stuff. Because, I, you know, Pastor Jack, our XP in ministries, he's kind of a, he's a wild man. We love him, you know, and he has some stories. He was telling us about eating a mango with ants that had eaten mangoes and some delicacy in a country that he was in. And it sounded really nasty, but I can respect a guy who when he's in someone's country and they bring out a delicacy like um, mango-fed ants and he just chews those babies down. I'm just, I, can say, I, can, I can respect a man like that. I don't want to kiss him after it's over, but that's a whole other discussion. We pray for Sammy, his wife, you know. But I bring all this out to say that in the Near East, locusts, grasshoppers, crickets, all good. All good. So... I guess if you're ever hungry and you're lost in the wilderness, you'll be happy that you heard Leviticus chapter 11. Moving on. 
Verse 24. By these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches the carcass of any of them, that is unclean until evening. Whoever carries part of the carcass of any of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. The carcass of any animal which divides the foot but is not cloven-hooved or does not chew the cub is unclean to you. Everyone who touches it shall be unclean. And whatever goes on its paws among all kinds of animals that go on all fours, those are unclean to you. Whoever touches any such carcass shall be unclean until evening. Whoever carries any such carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It is unclean to you. So now we have different animals that are unclean. And really what it boils down to is every time it's about touching a dead carcass. So you have to realize, again, God is very concerned with cleanliness. You know, that old saying, cleanliness is next to godliness. And so if you touched a dead carcass... I mean, like, I I threw some chicken on the grill for dinner, and I walk in the house, and Lynn's just like, go wash your hands, and it's just chicken, you know what I mean? It's like, but she realizes that if I have chicken, uncooked chicken on my hands, there's salmonella possibilities, all these things. And so, in the same way, God is telling his people, look, every time you touch a dead carcass, you need to go wash, you need to wash your clothes, and you're unclean until evening, because you have to realize that in a culture that's not like ours, that's not an antiseptic culture, All of these diseases pass very, very quickly. See, it's one of the benefits of living in a culture like we do with the amount of prosperity that we have that diseases, simple diseases, like foodborne and carcass-borne diseases get cut off because most people wash their hands. If you touch something, you wash your hands and and it cuts it off. And so God is instituting these basic hygiene measures into the children of Israel. If someone touches a dead carcass, they have to go wash They have to change their clothes, and they're not allowed to rejoin the people as not to spread it until the evening because God realizes after you wash and all this stuff, take some time, let it all dry out, you're going to be clean, and that sickness is not going to run through the people. And what's fascinating, if you look throughout history, things like the bubonic plague, the children of Israel, because they followed these laws, did not get those things. They're actually, if you read the history of the bubonic plague, the children of the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were actually accused of starting the bubonic plague because they didn't get it. The reason they didn't get it is because they weren't touching these unclean things, and if they did, they were watching and they are staying away. And so it's a fascinating study that God, because he loves life, because he loves health, because God wants to make sure his people are safe and they know the difference between what's holy and unholy, what's pure and impure, he says things like, if you touch a dead body, you need to wash, change your clothes, you need to stay away from everybody else so nobody else might potentially catch what you have until later. And I think that's really, really awesome that the Lord would tell his people that this was long before studies on cleanliness and how disease spreads and all these things, long before it. But God is telling his people, I want you to take care of this because I want you to take care of yourselves because you are my people. And as I am a holy God, I want you to be set apart, holy people. So very fascinating. Moves on. Verse 29. These also shall be unclean to you among the creeping things that creep on the earth, the mole, the mouse, and the large lizard after its kind, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the sand reptile, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. These are unclean to you among all that creep. Whoever touches them when they are dead shall be unclean until evening. Anything of which any of them falls when they are dead shall be unclean, whether it is an item of wood or clothing, or skin, or sack, 
whatever item it is in which any work is done, it must be put in water and it shall be unclean until evening. Then it shall be clean. Any earthen vessel into which any of them falls, you shall break and whatever is in it shall be unclean. In such a vessel, any edible food upon which water falls becomes unclean and any drink that may be drunk from it becomes unclean and everything on which a part of any such carcass falls shall be unclean. Whether it is an oven or a cooking stove, it shall be broken down, for they are unclean and shall be unclean to you. Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern in which there is plenty of water shall be clean, but whatever touches any such carcass becomes unclean. And if a part of any such carcass falls on any planting seed which is to be sown, it remains clean, but if water is put on the seed, and if a part of any such carcass falls on it, it becomes unclean to you. So it's interesting because once again, you have more, more animals that, and more circumstances where cleanliness is at stake. Not only there's things with insects, but there's also several other types of animals, moles, mice, lizards, geckos. If one of these things are dead and they touch any type of food, if they touch anybody's clothing, on the skin, on a sack, all of it, everything needs to be clean. And I mean, we know this, right? Anybody ever have a mouse in their cupboard? Yeah, you throw all that food out, right? If you're smart, you do, right? Why? Because you're like, man, that thing carries some parasites and I'm not eating any of that. And it's funny that that's just common sense. You don't need to think a lot about it. You're like, yeah. If there's a mouse in my, in my cupboard, all that stuff's going away. If you find a mouse, found mouse droppings in the cupboard where all your, your dishes are, what do you do with all the dishes? You wash those things twice probably, right? Just in case. Why do you do that? Because you realize that that can carry parasites and diseases. Same thing, same thing. Anytime, if it falls on, it falls on wood, clothing, skin, or sack, whatever item it is in verse 32, in which any work is done, it must be put in water. It must be washed. And it shall be unclean until the evening. And then it shall be clean. So again, you have all these ways for the children of Israel to, to stay safe, to stay clean. Listen, any earthen vessel. So any sort of a, a box or a cup or a plate, any of these things. If it falls, it's unclean. If there's any edible food, that's unclean. It's all common sense. Now, it's interesting. In verse 36, we get some potential like, well, what about this? If there's a cistern or a spring, so if there's a place of running water, so it's like, imagine you have a well, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, a mouse dies and you fish it out. Should we stop up the well? And the answer is no, but you need to let it run for a while. You know, if it's something that produces running water, it's saying, look, it'll be clean again. You just need to give it some time which, again, would be smart, right? If you found, like, a, a mouse in your water pipe or whatever, you would get that mouse out and you put... I mean, that sounds nasty, so don't worry about that, please. I don't, I've never heard of it. I'm just making it up as we go, but... You know what I mean? It's like, but if you knew that, you're not going to be like, I'm never going to drink out of that fountain again, or maybe you might. You might be like, well, forget that. I'm going to use the, the purified water on the refrigerator or whatever. But the idea is that in a cistern, if there's planted seed that's already been watered, which means it's the beginning of germination then it would be considered unclean. If it's seed and it's just touched a dead animal, but it hasn't been watered at all, and there's no germination, it's okay. So again, all of this is just about simple hygiene, simple cleanliness. 
Now, verse 39. And if any animal which you may eat dies, he who touches its carcass shall be unclean until evening. He who eats of its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. He also who carries its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. Now, contact with carcasses of clean animals that died of natural causes was also forbidden. Because remember, each one of these has been about an unclean animal. Now it's saying, look, if you touch a carcass of a clean animal that died naturally, you're still considered unclean. So even though you're allowed to eat it, if it's dead and you touch it, there's a possibility of there being parasites of whatever sort, and you're not allowed to do it. Notice, there's also the prohibition about eating of a carcass that's been dead already. So the idea is if you're out hunting and you find a beautiful deer that's already been shot and laying there, God's saying don't eat it. And even though you might want to bring its rack home and say, I shot that and nobody knows, but it, you know, it's like, if it's already dead, even though you're allowed to eat it, you shouldn't eat it. And that's just smart, right? If you cook a whole bunch of food and you leave it out on the countertop for a while, even though you're like, oh, I should have put that in the fridge, I could eat it tomorrow, what do you normally do? You throw it out. You're not going to take the chance, right? That's what it's saying. So if you find a dead animal, even if it's a clean animal, you're not allowed to eat it because God's looking out for you. He loves you. And so do we. So we don't want you to eat that stuff. Now, in verse 41, look what it says. And every creeping thing that creeps on the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. Whatever crawls on its belly, whatever goes on all fours, or whatever has many feet among all creeping things that creep on the earth, these you shall not eat, for they are an abomination. You shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creeps, nor shall you make yourselves unclean with them, lest you be defiled by them. Verse 44, for I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. For I am the Lord who brings you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Now, it's interesting. God leaves the fundamental principle for us to the end. We've seen all these different things. You're allowed to eat this. You're not allowed to eat this. This is the animals you're allowed to eat. These are the ones you're not. These are the fish you're allowed to eat. These are the ones you're not. Birds, insects, you're allowed to do all this. Touch the, why all this? Because I'm the Lord your God, and I'm holy. Therefore, you be as well. Now, as we've been going through this, there's something that I've left out, and I left it out on purpose because I wanted to tie it in with the holiness of God. Do you notice that every time somebody does something that's unclean or touches a carcass, they're separated for a time, and then they're always reintegrated later? I left that to the end because it's so important for us to realize that you and I struggle with sin. We do. We struggle to live in rebellion against God. And when we make mistakes, there is... God's cleansing, but there is always what? Reintegration into the people of God. And it was funny, I was reading this, and I'm thinking about the holiness of God and who God is. It's so important for us because Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to tell you that because you've made mistakes, you are not acceptable in the people of God. And that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is, yes, you have made a mistake. Yes, you have lived in rebellion against God. Yes, you have done all sorts of things extraordinarily wrong. And you know what? There is a cost to that stuff. 
but there is a reintegration into the body of Christ because the cleansing comes from Jesus. And if you're here today, I don't know what your story is, but we all have one. And all of our stories are real and they're our own. And all of us carry shame because of our stories. All of us do. It doesn't matter what your story is, there is a shame component to your story. And I'm here to tell you that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that God will help you deal with that shame because the Bible teaches that God made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So even though there are things that happen that make us unclean and we feel unclean, we're like, I have strayed from the way that God would have me to live. When we come back to him, Jesus cleanses us through his grace, through his finished work. When the blood of Jesus is applied to our lives, there is a readmittance into the people of God. And the beauty about Jesus' forgiveness, unlike the sacrificial system, is that Jesus' readmittance is instantaneous. There's not some sort of, hey, listen, you're not allowed to come back for 24 hours and then God will let you back in again. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you say, God, I am sorry for what's going on. Man, you are right there. That's what God is asking. And that's not some sort of cheap grace. That's real grace. Because the grace of God is bigger than our rebellion. And that is what is so amazing about the gospel. And that's why I'll take Jesus over Buddha, Muhammad, some other person who's got some crazy name that I've never even heard of before. Because in the end of the day, I don't want to try and work my way to be right. Because we all know that when we try and work our way to be right, we're still always wrong. You're constantly trying to do something to buttress against the fact that you've done everything wrong. And because if you're self-reflective at all, you realize, yeah, I really had a good intention to do that. I was just talking with someone before she's... Uh, Sarah, and I don't think she'd mind me saying it. She's serving with our, our, our high school ministry. She said, Pastor Jane, I was making cookies and I thought to bring you some. And I'm like, oh, you only thought to, huh? I didn't get any cookies from you. And, we, and she was like, I know. I, I'm still going to do it. I'm like, you can make a new batch. I get what you're doing. I just use her as an example because she's a sweetie. And her not bringing me cookies is better for all of us, trust me. You know? And someone brought cookies in our break room today anyway. It's so we're talking about food. I chose to eat those cookies. They were so good. Anyway, how often do we have the right intention and we fail to follow through? We're like, Lord, I'm going to serve you. Lord, I'm going to honor you. I'm not going to do that anymore, Lord. And the next thing you know, you're out doing that thing. You're not honoring the Lord. You're out on a bender of whatever sort. And the beauty of that is that when, when you realize where you are, like the prodigal son who's like, man, in my, I'm sitting out here trying to eat pig's food, and in my father's house, the servants are doing better than me. I'm just going to go home and say, Lord, I'm, I'm not worthy, or Dad, I'm not worthy to be your kid. Let me be a servant. And do you guys remember the story, the prodigal son? When he returns, what's the father do? He runs to him. He, the father runs to the son who squandered his inheritance, who's been eating piggy food, taking care of pigs, all this stuff. He's totally mangled, and the father completely out of character for a father in Near Eastern culture runs to his son, falls upon him, doesn't say, hey, listen, are you clean? Have you been eating piggy food? What's been going on? He just falls on him. He kisses him on the neck, and he starts to weep. And, and the son's been rehearsing his whole, this is how I'm going to try and get out of dad's jail free card, the whole way home. He doesn't get a chance to say it. Because the father's just like, man, get this kid a shower, kill the fatted calf, put some rings on his finger. My son is home. 
And that's what I love about the Lord, that no matter where you've been, no matter how far out you've got, when you turn back, the Father already ran to you, is waiting for you, and is going to embrace you just where you are, not where you're not. And I'll say, listen, you better get over here, and then I'll accept you. No, that's not the gospel. And why, why is it so powerful? Because God is a holy God. And God, in his perfections, in his holiness, can only make us holy by his own free act. Not what we do. And God's design is that because he's holy, what? We start to become like him. We become God-like. We don't become gods. We become like God. We become chips off the old block. See, by spending time with the Father, we begin to take on the Father's attributes, just like you take on the attributes of the people you spend time with. It's called the conformity or the influence of peers. So how often do you find yourself, you're, you're maybe where you work and people start cussing and then all of a sudden you start thinking curse words in your brain. You, you're not wanting to, but you're so used to hearing it that all of a sudden it starts, it just rolls that way. See, we become, someone said that I can tell what somebody is if I take the, the sum total of their, their 10 closest friends, I can tell how smart somebody is. Show me their 10 closest friends, the, 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 the middle ground between their 10 closest friends, that's how smart somebody is. And because the idea of that Philosophy is that I can tell what you value based on the 10 people who are around you the most. And the, the median between those 10 is who you are. Because that takes into account the power of influence of the people around us. I mean, that's why we're all here at church, right? Because we're like, I want to be influenced by the word of God. I want an alternative influence than what I get every day. And see, because God is holy, and because in Christ, he has made us holy and we are becoming holy because the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. We can truly live out. I want you to be holy because I'm holy. See, God wants to make us like him. My prayer for us as a community of faith, as a family of faith, is that each one of us takes the time and pays the relational tax in the presence of God. When you and I get in the presence of God, something happens. God does a glorious work of heart change, transformation, and only he can do it. And so when we avail ourselves, and listen, I'm not saying that you need to like cloister yourself off from the world, get a mountain retreat that you never see other people. But when you avail yourself to time with God, because he's holy, he starts to make you holy like he is. You start to receive the influence of who he is, and he starts to arrange your life in unique ways. Notice, God reminds them. Look at what he says. This is beautiful, verse 44. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves. He's saying, look, because I'm your God, you need to set yourself apart. And that's important because I think sometimes we say, well, if God wanted me that way, he'd set me apart himself. No, God has given us the responsibility. He says, I am the Lord your God. Therefore, you set yourselves apart. Consecrate yourselves. And so, brothers and sisters, we need to set ourselves apart. We need to make decisions of the will that I'm not that person anymore. Yeah, I used to be, but I'm not anymore. I'm not that person. Jesus is As Pastor Daniel explained today, we can live out the holiness God intends for us by walking in obedience. 
and spending time in the presence of God. The children of Israel set themselves apart by following the dietary laws by faith. We must be people of faith as well. We're so happy that you're a part of the Jesus is Real Radio family. Jesus is Real Radio is a listener-supported program. We want to let the whole world know that Jesus is real. Your donations help make this possible. You can become a monthly supporter or give a one-time gift by text message. It's easy. Simply text your gift to 855-910-8300. That's 855-910-8300. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out Pastor Daniel's Facebook page, Twitter feed, and Instagram. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links. Pastor Daniel shares two-minute video messages throughout the week on his Facebook page. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow Pastor Daniel. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share about the significance of blood, uncleanness, and sacrifice as we read about in Leviticus. The rituals we'll hear about were not only practical, but spiritually significant. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series entitled Cleansing. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.